0: This is a Podcast. Right. Now pay attention, 007. I want you to take care of this equipment. Q, have I ever left you down? Frequently. It's something we're making for the Americans. It's called a podcast. A podcast, you say? Is that some sort of fishing equipment? No. And it has not been perfected out of the years of patient research, entirely for entertainment purposes. And incidentally, we appreciate its return, along with all your other equipment, intact for once, when you return from the field. Well, you'd be surprised by the amount of wear and tear that goes on out there in the field. Just listen to Drinkin' Geek OST 007. I have on good authority that they will be talking about music from your video games this week. Hello and welcome to Drinking Geek OST as we're getting bombed in the background. <laughs> this is a show where we drink beer and listen to geeky soundtracks. This episode is featuring Wicked Possum, not Possum, Pawsum from Indiana City. I am player one, the Duke, along with player two, Saf.
1: And that track you just heard is from the James Bond 007 video game for the Atari 2600. Uh, Developed by Parker Brothers. It was the first licensed James Bond game. In this first mission, Serafino sprang from the novel Diamonds Are Forever, uses diamonds to create lasers shooting satellites. You must avoid enemy fire from satellites and helicopters while making your way to Spang's Oil Rig. The game is a side-scroller where you control a car that can jump and shoot items for points, though shooting enemies has no effect. And that was the title theme, Hmm. followed by
0: some explosions. So how do you get to the oil rig on your car? I guess you it probably flies or can go over water. (laughs) It's got those secret agent plane wheels. One of them turns
1: into a submarine at some point, one of the cars.
0: Yeah, you would think that they would have the technology to make things fly. Um, But all right, uh, before we jump further into the episode, we are going to go ahead and have ourselves the beer. This Metazoa Brewing Company out of Indianapolis, and the the beer that we have in front of us is the Wicked Possum. Not to be confused with Possum. My accent (laughs) is American, and I'm saying Possum. I'm not quite uh, Bostonian to make this sound better. We don't have that that (laughs) specific accent. Hey, that's wicked possum, man! Possum, awesome. wicked po- well, thats a wicked possum I ran over. <laughs> I ran over a wicked possum with my car, <laughs> <laughs> and made me lose my car keys. That's it. <laughs> it, just, it reminds me of that—that uh, that, uh, park yourself car, the the Hyundai commercial mm-hmm. with Chris Evans and uh, John Krasinski. Jim from the, yeah, there we go. Jim from the office, and he's like, it's a hat. <laughs> like, what the fuck smart is hat? <laughs> yeah. Um, all right, yeah, so it's an IPA. New England. There it is, a New England IPA made with laurel and Eldorado hops. And then is there anything fancy on the can about the ABVs and the IBUs? Nope, but on the website, we have 6.3% ABV, and 25 IBUs which i believe that's pikachu but i have to double check
1: it's the no time to die oh there that's we go 25th bond movie
0: no time to die even better a 2020 gabf bronze medal winner wicked possum is the first in our line of experimental hazy ipas and lean on additional additions of laurel and eldorado hops to give a tropical fruit and slightly floral flavor to this medium full-bodied IPA. If you're curious,
1: on the side of the can, it also says the ingredients are malts, two-row, wheat malt, flaked oats, shit, blonde roast oat, and the hops are Citra, mosaic, Idaho, laurel, Eldorado, and the yeast is OYL011. So that's nice little information there for us.
0: They have little notes on the side, and it's essentially what I read, but just in their own words. Yeah, it's slightly different
1: Order, I think, because I was trying to follow along. Yeah,
0: just off the can.
1: You covered most of it. Yeah. Speaking of the can, it is a wonderful green color, like a forest green, I guess. And uh, it says Wicked Possum, um, in a vertical format. There's like a little stamp of a paw, and it says "Drink Beer,
0: Help Animals," because that's like Metazoa's tagline or catchphrase. hmm It's what they do. Yeah, I like. It's a very simple can. Uh, the addition of this on the backside with their tasting notes that they do, uh, I don't know if they do that for every single can. I do remember seeing them for, uh, a few of them that we had, like the, um, the chairman meow, uh, and then this one. Mm-hmm. So I think that's what they're going for. And so really they have such a small surface area to actually use <laughs> artwork or anything. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So it's very simple. I, it's clean. I like clean. I like simple. Yeah. I like clean. Uh, the colors are good, too, because my favorite color is green. And um, it's got all the information right there, except for, like, the ABV. I don't see that on here. Right, exactly. I didn't see it either. That's why I was kind of looking through that. I just turned the light on because I was like, I can't, I can't see anything in here. But I didn't see anything on there, so it, as good as it's going to get. It's <laughs> the one thing they missed. <laughs> ah, geez. Can't even tell if it's 25 IBUs or not. I guess we'll be testing it to see. It smells amazing. It just, like,
1: filled this whole room with, a like, a citrusy smell. Citrusy, Absolutely. hoppy smell.
0: I was like, oh, my gosh, that is a great, great smell. You um, know, looking at, just reading the can, just having yeah, it close to exactly. the nose. That's yeah, exactly. It's like, like, oh,
1: shit. shit. As I'm looking over this can, the fumes are just wafting up into my nose.
0: Yeah, I think you get more smell out of the can than you do in the glass, though. So. Yeah, a little bit. It's more have to... condensed into one big whiff. Mm, right. Um, I also poured this like an asshole, and <laughs> uh, it, the head's pretty much non-existent anymore. It, it, it was like half the glass was was head, and it just kind of dissipated really fast. That's nice. Yeah. That means you can get to the beer quicker, even if you pour it like an idiot. <laughs> <laughs> but definitely can smell like a grapefruity type of citrus smell. Yeah, a lot of those kind of tropical island
1: fruits, I feel like. Like a papaya mm-hmm. or something, maybe.
0: Yeah, it might be the Idaho Seven or the Mosaic that we're smelling. For sure, I have a s I have a feeling that it's going to be piney just by the list of like five hops on there. But this is supposed to be New England, so it shouldn't really have that West Coasty taste. Yeah, it should go down uh, pretty smooth. Yeah. One little thing about the the head too, while we're just like taking a sniff and looking at it, it definitely looks like it's chewable. Like it's. Oh yeah. I did like, I did have little chunkies fall into my glass. Yeah. Just just by looking at the head alone, I'm like, damn, like that head looks like it's like I can just like swipe you know, swipe my finger in there and like Th- it's thick. It's thick. That is <laughs> thick. Yeah, and I, I didn't pour the whole thing, so I wonder like what's at the bottom of my cane. Cause oh, I don't you'll definitely have some lumps. Thing. Yeah. <laughs> so it's
1: typical New England as well. You can't see through it at all.
0: Yeah. It's it's definitely Definitely milky-ish, mm-hmm. just by the just by the look. Not saying that there's lactose in there, but it's definitely yeah, it's definitely hazy, if you will, or cloudy, super cloudy, mm-hmm. slimer cloudy for sure. Um, uh, the intensity and the aroma, I think, really just depends on if you have the can or if you are ha- drinking it out of a glass. It smells like it's almost like it's stained the inside of the inside of the can. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> with the smell, <laughs> the can smells a little bit more bitter. At least mine. Yeah, because yeah. it smells a little bitter, more bitter than the glass. That's for sure. It kinda pours just like slowly pouring, it kinda pours like the color of pineapple juice.
1: Yeah, for sure.
0: It's like, yeah, that light, 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 you know, yellow orange, but it's very it's very light. It looks like it's gonna taste very good. Just by the the, the look and the pour and the smell. Let's find out, I, I think guess. It's gonna taste yeah. Let's do it. Okay. Uh definitely got that juicy upfront <laughs> flavor.
1: Mm-hmm. Very good there. It had a slight lingering bitterness, but...
0: Yep. Still uh, lingering. Yeah.
1: It's not too bad. It's still, like, fruity. It has a fl- fruity flavor, but a bitter fruit.
0: Yeah. It definitely has, like, a bitter fruit. Um, It also... It tastes thick. Yeah. It, it looks thick, and it tastes thick. It's very, like, thick in, in the mouth feel. Like, full body doesn't quite hit it. It's, it's <laughs> like... It's almost chewy. It's like bubblegum. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You're like, mm, that was that was delicious. It's almost like if you eat a food that dissolves instantly in your mouth. You're expecting to chew it, but it just dissolves right. in your mouth. It's kind of like the opposite here. We're like, oh, it's just liquid, but it's like, oh, it's thick. <laughs> and it's, I mean, it's it's pretty tasty. Uh, it's a, on the older side. Yeah. But it's still holding up nicely, it feels like. Yeah, for sure. That's basically what I was going to say. It's holding up really well uh, for being an older can where a lot of the New England styles that we've had in the past were like, oh, you got to drink it within like a week or two Mm -hmm. or else it's going to start tasting bad. I don't think that's the case with this one.
1: It almost reminds me of like a tropical fruit smoothie with hops added to it
0: Mm -hmm. based on like the texture and like the flavors. Yeah, 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 Uh, for sure. Yeah, like a tropical fruits. Um, you you know throw into a blender. Mm-hmm. That's actually that's pretty spot on for sure.
1: Well, since we have such good opinions, let's see how many bad opinions we can find on Untapped.
0: <laughs> Probably a lot of them.
1: There are 1,432 ratings and a 3.95 average, which is pretty
0: good. I have two check two friends check this in. I also did not check it in. I figured I was going to be doing that anyways. Uh, three friends, three friends checking in. Why well, didn't that show up before? Uh, James R at a, at Pizza Palace. He gave it a 3.75. Jesse Favor didn't even rate it. That's probably what it was. He didn't rate it. He just checked it in. And then Doyle Doyle uh, having fun at Metazoa gave this a 3.25. I've also got Mick Beer. Um, he
1: says, nice grapefruit and rind flavors, and give it a 4.25.
0: Nice. geez, Doyle Doyle is popular as mm-hmm. all hell. He has like 40 people toasting his check-ins. Way to go, bud. He's like an unc- absolute celeb. He is. He literally like toasts everything that me and Allison drink. Not, not to like an uncomfortable level, but every time we go somewhere and, mm-hmm. and he... Toasts a couple of our things. I think that's he does that for every person he follows. That's why he gets so something back. <laughs> so they, they're just like they toast back. They're like, oh yeah, do, do. He toasts, I toast. It kind of made like it kind of made me toast a little bit more. Sometimes yeah. I log into the app and I'll, I'll scroll through the activity feed and I'll see uh, Chris check something in that I've had before and I'll I'll toast him and then send him a message or you know anybody else uh, Kane Moyer I've done that a few times but I, I feel like I do it more now yeah. that I see people actually toasting me so I guess it's kind of like a incentivized uh, reward system Ooh, I got I got some toasts yeah. on this
1: Yeah. it reminds me of like Facebook poking somebody I don't really know the point of it but it's kind of fun to do sometimes
0: oh yeah do
1: <laughs> they still do that I don't know <laughs> <laughs> uh, I haven't been on Facebook in years so I'm scrolling through and I'm not really seeing any
0: comments. A bunch of decent scores though. Yeah. For having like 1.4 thousand. That is crazy for a Metazoa beer. That is. But they did can it. So that's, I mean, that's a a positive to be able to get it. Big Juicy Nipa 425. And then check in, check in, check in, check in. Picture, 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 picture. Nothing else really. I guess I'll take a look at the photos.
1: Uh, Susan said, oh,
0: wait, I just messed it.
1: Uh, Nice and rich, great, hazy and 3.75 at the pint room.
0: Oh, nice. Yeah, this picture is at the tap downtown. So they're actually distributing. Mm -hmm. That's pretty cool. So the tap had it. Pretty good picture. The tap has so many handles at this place. Yeah, there's like 80 or something like
1: that. It's crazy.
0: Yeah. Uh, This person doesn't look like that beer. It looks like... Yeah, it's like red almost looking... Yeah, it's like plum juice. <laughs> <laughs> oh, boy.
1: You get those. You should be able to, like, flag people's post if they looks like the wrong beer and, like, get them removed yeah. from that. Right. Gilbert B. It's a pungent, fruity flavor for a split second, then it's gone. Three out of five, which I do not agree
0: with. Uh, Kevin had it at the Indiana State Fairgrounds. Uh, he took a picture of it, probably his wife. While she was drinking something else, and he had his picture, was like his beer half in the photo, mm. it's like he just wanted to take a picture of her. It's like, I'm here for the beer, bud. Show me the beer. You get more likes your wife. on Instagram if you have a female in your picture. She is pretty. Don't get me wrong, but I am here for the beer. Put it on Instagram. Get it off on tap. <laughs> Gatekeeping 101. This dude's just a picture of him and wearing sunglasses, and there's no beer involved at all. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. If you're, if you're not going to post a picture of the beer, at least make it a meme. I like those. <laughs> yeah, those are pretty funny. Especially <laughs> if it's a meme that applies to the beer somehow, some way. So, yeah, somehow, yeah. Does Metazoa have an outdoor area? I didn't realize that. Like a patio type of thing? They got that, like, dog park area. Oh, uh, I see. I don't have a dog, so I've never been over there. They just redid it all, like,
1: last, maybe two summers ago, or last summer, I think it may be open. It's, like, twice as big, and there's tables and stuff out there. Hmm. Gotcha. My dogs are all yep. assholes, so I don't ever
0: take them. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Some of these pictures like look delicious. Like the like ours, our looks pretty good, but some of these like I think it's just a lighting.
1: Yeah. And the type of glass. If you have like those fancy tulip glasses, I don't know. Some reason beer just looks more delicious.
0: Yeah. All the yeah. All these pictures are good. That's all we have to go off of are these pictures because nobody, nobody wrote wrote anything. really said really. <laughs> <laughs> and it's not gonna. Not going to be any better from me.
1: Right. I'm just going to say, I liked it.
0: <laughs> it was <young. laughs> Um, All right. So I went ahead and took a fancy picture in front of my big-ass monitor with my keyboard, everything in there. It looks pretty, pretty nice Got backdrop. It. And the... Message I said was, this is them. I literally said I was going to say that, so I said it. And then I said, recording an episode for Drinking Geek OST. Little plug. <laughs> I gave it a 4.25. It is quite tasty, I think, uh, the chewable aspect of it, which is not something that we normally like, say, yeah, this is how we want our beers. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think it adds something to this that uh, kind of just you know gives it like an uptick, just a little bit. It's, like, the thickness, it's creamier, creamier, (laughs) creamier. It's, yeah, it's just, it's nice and juicy. It's creamy without, like, lactose. So if you're intolerant of that stuff, then you can be able to drink this without having, like, somewhat of a reaction. Um, It's just all around, like, a a pretty solid, juicy, thick beer.
1: I am going to hold your hand on this one. I also gave it a 4.25, and... I reiterated what I said earlier. It's like a tropical fruit smoothie that someone spilled hops into, and I said super yum, so I heightened your yum. <laughs> oh,
0: <laughs> damn, your yum is better than my yum.
1: <laughs> but the same score, so I don't know how that works out.
0: Yeah, I don't know. I think what would probably make this a little bit better, if we still do that type of thing, would be have it not so bitter. Yeah, that's exactly why it's
1: not like a four and a half to f- almost a five because it does have that lingering kind of piney aftertaste that's right not super uh enjoyable but it's still
0: it's still a very good beer it really is just by the taste of this i could pretty much guarantee that keith would hate this yeah probably (laughs) just by like tasting like you literally can taste the the bitterness he probably wouldn't like it but it's almost i I, I think it's pretty solid like a west coast new England. however that works out (laughs) like it's
1: got the Yep. Kind of piney hop bitterness, but also it's got that thick New
0: England haziness. Right, yeah. This was thinking a, a hazy West Coast. That's <laughs> an interesting combination, right there. Opposite coast, but somehow they m- met in the middle. Big fan.
1: All right, want to hop back into s-
0: hop? <laughs> hop back into uh-huh. some music. Yeah, that'd be that'd be good.
1: This is from A View to a Kill, the 1985 video game for Spectrum Commodore 64 and MSX.
0: I feel like I've seen this box art on the Commodore 64.
1: Yeah, uh, it it looks like the movie, I think. James Bond! (laughs) That was horrible. Um, It's an action video game. Released by Domark and was one of two identically identically titled games released in '85. So who knows which one you saw? If there's two different ones, split into three missions. You begin by racing around Paris in a taxi and try to catch a parachuting mayday. The second mission involves uh, revolves around rescuing Stacy Sutton from a burning city hall and plays like a point-and-click adventure. The final mission is platforming level where you must jump around a dangerous mine to defuse a bomb. So all the big set pieces from the movie get mm-hmm. recreated.
0: So I'm looking at this review of this. It's crazy. The walking animation is creepy. I'm, I'm just watching a video of someone actually playing it. It is all creepy. <laughs> But it definitely reminds me of like an older, uh, styled, um, like, like older style uh, computer game. And basically, oh, yeah. what it is,
1: the, the in, it like scrolls a bunch of text text while the song is playing, and at the end it says "reset
0: machine and load your first mission." So you got to like turn off your computer to play the game. <laughs> Yeah. Oh, I'm watching the the side-scroller part right now, and that is 100% different than the previous footage I saw him walking inside of a building, and it's insane. This is different graphics. He does flippies. Oh, that's wild. Yeah, it's kind of cool that they did, like, a, a driving level, a point-and-click mm-hmm. level, and then, like, a platforming level. Right. It's almost as if they ha- they, like... Put three teams on this and said, "Hey, make this right. game. Uh, we're gonna break this up into parts so that we can get missions. this done. Yeah, so we can get it done quicker." And then you had three styles of games made, and they're like, "Well, shit! All right, well, Ooh, put it all together. Put it all together. will buy it. It's got
1: James Bond on it. All right, let's go. That was the title theme, by the way. Let's go on to James Bond: the Living Daylights." This is from 1987. It's a long play, so this is just the sound of the game. <laughs> the oh. music is only in the title screen, apparently. Pew pew, 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 pew. But you got James Bond walking around, shooting at folks. It's like a... Uh, you scroll a little reticle around and then land on enemies to shoot them.
0: Oh, yeah. So it's like a first-person shooter, but you're not moving.
1: I don't know if you control. He is walking, but I don't know if you control that or not. It's just like him shooting people in the background. Let me pause that because it's kind of annoying. Um, instead of copying the gameplay from the other Bond game, Domark started to scratch, st- started from scratch and produced a side-scrolling shooter. You control Bond and can move right, roll, and jump. When you press left, a crosshair moves in from the right and you can aim and shoot anywhere on the screen.
0: Yep, yep, I see it. It for being 1987, this is actually pretty good. It looks, it looks yeah, good. the graphics look pretty solid.
1: I mean, you get you can see that it's like a guy walking around on almost
0: like a moon type surface cuz it's all gray, but then guys pop out from rocks in the background. Pretty pretty good. Mm-hmm. There's like a walking through the town and like people pop up in the windows. And you have to determine if they're, like, civilian or someone to shoot. That's interesting.
1: This is from Live and Let Die, 1989. This one's DOS Atari, Spectrum Commodore, Amiga. Same producer or developer, Domark. I finally have a composer's name. I couldn't find a composer's on The previous ones, this is David Whittaker.
0: Yeah, this sounds like an updated uh, sound system as well. Yeah. Like, the Atari ST was, like, an upgrade in uh, hardware, and so the sounds were able to store a little bit more. That was, like,
1: text being typed onto a screen, that, like, clicking noise. (laughs) It's hard to find on these old games, actually, just, like, clips of the sound, so I just got, like, some gameplay.
0: Yeah, the, the gameplay is good. This is a speedboat racing game. It's weird. <laughs> yeah. I guess there is that long sequence in the movie where you do that, but the whole game that does that? I mean, someone thought it was cool. A cool idea.
1: So in this game, uh, it's a 1988 speed boat racing game from Domark. Although it was their third James Bond title, it started out as an unrelated game called Aqua Blast. Domark noticed that the missions were similar to the boat chase in Live and Let Die and decided to rebrand it as a 007 game. Oh, Nice. Without
0: permission or with permission?
1: <laughs> I, don't, I assume they had permission because they did the previous two
0: James Bond games. So they like had the yeah, license. Yeah, that's fair. This is, I mean, for the most part, it is pretty cool looking. Uh, I'm, I'm looking at it right now, um, uh, just like a gameplay. And it kind of reminds me of like F-Zero as you're just kind of mm-hmm. controlling a boat, like third person going down a track which is water and blue, you have things to shoot. But the scene that I paused it on uh, makes me feel like this wasn't a Bond game, like it wasn't initially a Bond game because there's pyramids and palm trees right. in the background. So <laughs> that was left over from Aqua Blast.
1: Uh, Aqua Blast. Okay, let's go on to License to Kill. All right, here's the title sequence for uh, License to Kill on the C- commodore 64. It's like a sped-up version of the Bond theme. Yeah. Now, this is the one composed by David Whittaker. First released on DOS. Um, it's the fourth game from Domark. It represented a remarkable leap in terms of graphics, and had a freer sense of movement than prior Domark games. The game has four main levels, each has a different gameplay style. I do have a song from the Amiga version as well, so let's see if
0: that's different. It's funny, on this game, it says of the top in the Commodore, his bad side is a dangerous place to be. (laughs) How corny.
1: Oh, that's interesting. I mentioned there's four different styles. The first is a vertical scribe Vertical scrolling shooter with Bond in a helicopter. The second, uh, he's on foot and must kill enemies in eight-directional shooting. Third,
0: That's a t- like a top-down view.
1: Yeah. Uh, the third has Bond scuba diving, shooting enemies underwater and dodging enemy fi- or going underwater to dodge enemy to fire. Uh, the final is a driving level with Bond, uh, where he must smash his truck into other vehicles. This is
0: probably the best quality sound we've had so far. Yeah, I do like the Amoeba version. Uh, when, you want, when you win the game, it says, Congratulations on defeating Sanchez and smashing his evil drug empire. That's good. Yeah, you did a good thing. So I guess the idea is you're running a truck into the drug lords. Smashing their vehicles from trying to make deliveries, I guess is what the the long play is.
1: Alright, let's go on because now it's getting into gameplay. Got the spy who loved me. Better turn that up. Um, This one is from the Commodore 64. Again, Domark is the developer. It's the penultimate Bond game from Domark, so they must have one more up their sleeve at some way. Uh, it's widely considered to be a rip-off of the arcade game's Spy Hunter. Both titles feature gadget laden cars, and a vertical scrolling, racing, and shooting game. Yeah. Here's the
0: Bond theme. Oh, this is nice. I like it. I like that, like, the beat. Right.
1: And I have the Amiga version as well. Um, And as we found out last time, that was
0: a better version. Yeah. This just sounds
1: like straight up from the movie.
0: (laughs) Yeah, it does. So I'm watching the gameplay. It is also a top-down... Oh, it's got a voice. Check this out. <laughs> the graphics in this one are way better. It's also 1990s. Yeah, we're so getting we're getting
1: newer and newer. I should have mentioned that we're going in chronological order.
0: Yeah, but the they have a of the game. They have an actual scenes from the Spy Who Loved Me as their introduction into the game. And when they get to the part where he does the shoot down. The barrel of the gun, where you see, and the blood scrolls down. It converts to like an eight-bit. I really like that. That was cool. Yeah, you must
1: be looking at the Amiga version. The graphics are way better on that version. The
0: uh, Commodore sixty-four looks almost like a Game Boy s graphics. Yeah, I'm I'm watching uh, the Atari game here. Okay. Yeah, but these look really cool. I I like. I like this. I'm not really a big fan of the 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 top-down view. Feels like, I'm playing a mobile game. Yeah. I mean, mobile games are a ripoff of old
1: (laughs) NES games, essentially. (laughs) Because this is definitely a Spy Hunter. I don't know if you've ever played that. But it's a top-down driving game that looks exactly like this. All right. Let's go to James Bond Jr. But I'm really digging this. It sounds like I'm listening to the movie. Here's the NES version. James Bond Jr. was on NES and Super Nintendo, so it's probably kind of one of those middle ground. 92, just around the time where NES is ending and Super Nintendo is starting. It was based on an animated series of the same name, which followed the adventures of Bond's nephew, James Bond Jr. It was the first and only Bond game from THQ, who usually makes horrible
0: knockoff games. Um, This kind of reminds me of the Animaniacs game just by looking at the graphics. It's uh I think THQ roller. did that
1: as well. <laughs> uh, uh, both share the same story, the gameplay and missions were different from the NES to Super NES. Um NES was a platform puzzle game. Super Nintendo version was more of a shoot 'em up. So that's the NES here. Let's move to Super NES version. Here we go composer oh it says right on my screen here peter stone much better sound quality from between the two systems
0: yeah i, I do like this one i do like it it's
1: almost got like an
0: actual bass sound yeah slapping that bass
1: All right, that'll... I think it's looping at this point. The Duel, I do not have. They must have been deleted because they're not showing up on my playlist. James Bond The Duel was a 93 game for the Sega Systems, and this was the last one produced by Domark. That's the only reason I wanted to mention it because we said they had one left up their sleeves. Matt furnace is the composer um it was the, <laughs> i like this little synopsis james bond 007 the duel was released in 93 and was thankfully the last james bond game from domark it's a standard platformer where you jump and shoot enemies in environments that aren't fill aren't fitting of james bond such as a forest
0: hmm, yeah Bond theme map rope or a map rap map rap. jungle soup and space hop yeah that sounds kind of awful uh, all
1: right let's go on to the game everybody knows it's the really the game that kicked off the whole 7 series in on the n64 it's goldeneye
0: made by rare so you can tell immediately by the sound because it's almost like uh Donkey Kong
1: yeah The closers are Graeme Norgit and Grant
0: Kirkhope. I like the the rap or the, the rock. Yeah, the hard it's rock. very
1: hard rock. I don't remember that, but that's cool. And
0: I think this is the first one that's a first person shooter too.
1: Yep. Uh, consistently the rate of the best game. Adapted from a film, 007 for the 64, was a revolutionary first-person shooter modeled on Pierce Brosnan's 95 debut on Goldeneye. The game introduced a split-screen multiplayer deathmatch mode that became a standard for the genre.
0: Yeah, I remember Halo basically picking up. Yeah. After the-
1: uh, Goldeneye was the first game to demonstrate... The f- that first-person shooters were viable on home consoles selling over 8 million copies it became the third best uh, selling game on the n64 and remains the second best seller for rare just behind the 9 million selling donkey kong country that's the only song i have from this game for now i plan on doing a full goldeneye episode next summer to celebrate the 25th anniversary of this game oh yeah that sounds wonderful uh, and then we'll talk more about it then but definitely a great game and it was remade a couple times so uh, it'll be interesting to compare
0: yeah uh which means i just have to i have to get the uh Wii set back up so i can play the game
1: (laughs) and see why it's so bad. i wanted to buy it but i did see bad reviews so
0: yeah i i bought it when it first came out like so i didn't read any of the bad reviews i (laughs) I went to the store immediately
1: a remake of the best game ever yeah i know it was hard (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, because you have to use that stupid gun Wii mm-hmm. controller, which isn't very good. All right, we'll talk more about that next year, I think.
0: Yeah, the Wii Zapper.
1: Wii Zapper, yes. Um, all right, this is a Game Boy game, so it's a short track. It's just called Game uh, James Bond 007. It's a 98 game developed by Sapphire. No relation. Uh, composers are Eric Nunamaker, Brent Lambert, Nathan Davidson. The first handheld James Bond game appearing on the original Game Boy very late in the console's life. While the black and white graphics are dated to hardware, the Game Boy offered a first. Oh wait, I, I got lost. Uh, a first person shooter was out of the question. Instead, developer Sapphire made a top down perspective action adventure game that was more akin to Zelda. Then to James Bond, the game revolves around solving puzzles hiding from finding hidden items and engaging in some more close range. Close range combat.
0: This is the main title, obviously. This reminds me a lot of Pokemon. Really? Just watching the gameplay it it definitely looks it's it's Pokemon, just with James Bond.
1: Yeah, I mean that makes sense because Zelda is similar on the Game Boy to Pokemon game.
0: The Not. menu is totally Zelda, though,
1: and the sound isn't too bad for it being a little handheld game. Better mm-hmm. than some of the like Atari ones, for sure. All right, back to the 3D games. Tomorrow Never Dies. This is for the PlayStation version. <laughs> okay. Developed by Electronic Arts. Composer is Tommy Tallarico, who is another pretty famous video game composer.
0: Sounds like the movie. Yep.
1: And PlayStation had that ability to... Because it was essentially CDs you're playing. Yeah. Uh, it was the first of eight Bond games developed by Electronic Arts and certainly one of the worst.
0: <laughs> yeah. I'm, I'm looking at it right now. Uh, it's first-person shooter, but you're in third-person, so you're watching Yeah. your character. But if you get like the the camera angle back enough uh like you're up against a wall or something you can't quite pan the camera you disappear but your floating gun stays the same so you're still yeah um the interface sucks i like goldeneye way better than this yeah it
1: says uh the game threw out everything that made goldeneye such a classic tomorrow never dies featured a third person perspective no multiplayer outdated tank controls and lackluster graphics Mm mm-hmm so the first song was the theme, title theme, and then this is called Confrontation. And the rest of the soundtrack kind of sounds like this garbage 90s techno action movie music.
0: Yeah, but I, I, I can dig it. I like the music way better than I like the gameplay. <laughs> like, I'm watching the gameplay, and it's awful. It kind of reminds me of that Streets of Rage, yeah. like where it went from cool to interesting to what the fuck is this yeah the music (laughs) is
1: interesting uh on its own but it doesn't fit a bond
0: game yeah it definitely yeah definitely looks like uh like grand theft auto really the the graphics and the the character running and stuff i'm like yeah i'm playing grand theft auto when i'm watching this But, yeah, the music is definitely interesting. I don't know. I don't know if I would ever play this game. Uh, probably the music alone is kind of like a turnoff for me, mm-hmm. but it's, it's interesting. There's people who out there who like it. I don't know if they like the, the game, but they do like the techno garbage. Yeah. All right, let's go on to the World's
1: Not Enough. That's a back on the 64. It's also on PlayStation. It's developed by Electronic Arts again. The poser is Neil Baldwin. Sounds pretty good so far. Yeah. Following the success of GoldenEye, developer Rare declined the opportunity to make another Bond game instead of choosing to develop their own IP, which was Perfect Dark, but... Electronic Arts took over and released their own sequel, *The World Is Not Enough*, in 2000. Ignoring the their dismal first attempt, *Tomorrow Never Dies*. EA instead cloned the gameplay style of *GoldenEye* and produced a decent, if not innovative, game that met with good reviews. EA develop, uh, EA re- also released a PlayStation game with the same title, but it was made by another d- developer and poorly received for its bad gameplay and lack of multiplayer
0: yeah the interface and gameplay look way better than the other game that they tried to put together Mm -hmm. that's for sure what I don't like and this is probably just because it's the 90s and people want to enjoy video games they don't have to try really hard is the snapshotting of the cursor their crosshairs Mm -hmm. automatically target enemies so it'll auto pull for you which i guess is makes that's fine cuz if you know if you're not that great of a shooter but you still want to enjoy the gameplay you should be able to enjoy it yeah i
1: I, I have this game i played this game and i i liked that just cuz i'm not that great at first person
0: shooters so it was kind of a
1: it handheld me but it was
0: useful yeah this this music is way better too compared to the other game
1: hold on um all right we got one more song left from this game let's play that now it's called fam, fam famous chase
0: <laughs> it's a Thames. So it's the river
1: oh yes so based off of just the two songs i played this is definitely my favorite so far
0: yeah it is nice it sounds like you're doing a like a a chasing for sure oh yeah
1: definitely got some bond qualities going there alright let's go back to playstation I believe this is from a game called 007 Racing Again, developed by Ye. The composer is Alistair Brimble. Uh, this game was released in the same month as the awful PlayStation version of Worlds Not Enough and is undeniably Electronic Arts' worst James Bond game. The gameplay has the as you driving through checkpoints and shooting missiles and machine guns at enemy vehicles, but the sloppy, unresponsive controls quickly remove any fun that that might have had. Um, it's proved yet again that James Bond was better on Nintendo. Yeah. <laughs> Song's not too bad. It's kind of slow.
0: Yeah, it is for a racing yeah. game. It's kind of lackluster, really.
1: Well, this is the menu theme. Let's see. This is track three. It's still weirdly slow.
0: Yeah. I don't know. I can't really imagine this being racing because it's very slow. But also, the like, gameplay kind of reminds me of like a, um, again, like a Grand Theft Auto. Like you're mm-hmm. in a car being chased by people. You're running over things, collecting objectives. There's not not a whole lot of racing involved. Yeah. The
1: only difference is that the car you drive has machine guns and missiles that you can use. Yeah.
0: Doesn't even look like a Bond car.
1: The cover does. It's the Aston Martin, but I don't know what the game looks or the car looks like in the game. I'm just looking at the cover of the game.
0: I should probably look at the cover. Uh, the art for sure, but inside the game, it—I don't know because it's a uh, third person, so I can't really tell yeah. what the front looks like. But <laughs> it just looks like a shitty sedan. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. I think it might be a coupe. I don't think I don't, there's there's only two doors okay. on there. It is a coupe. Uh, but yeah, this it seems very slow for a racing game. But again, it's not really a racing game.
1: Let's move on to Agent Under fire this is the main title is again one um, developed by electronic arts it's on ps2 gamecube xbox and Game Boy advance surprisingly
0: the graphics look phenomenal
1: i have this game it's pretty fun I think this is the one that they don't have Pierce Brosnan's license for, so the box art is just a silhouette of a guy holding a PP-7 or whatever his gun is.
0: Yeah, these graphics are really good.
1: <laughs> for GameCube, yeah. Definitely. Yeah, um, I'm going to move on to a different track. It's called Precious Cargo.
0: I feel like something's happening in this scene. Like, you're listening to his music... And you're kind of like pressured to do things mm-hmm. faster because i think there time-
1: is a ti- probably a timer on the screen i would guess or uh i think precious cargo is a person that you have to save um this agents of the fire was the first james bond game on the sixth generation consoles and was released on the ga- consoles i said earlier uh, since Bond games were coming out at a faster pace than the films, Agent Under Fire uh, necessitated an original story and managed to pull it off fairly well.
0: Yeah, I was wondering, like looking at the titles of these games, the this game plus its sequel have nothing to yeah. do with the movies.
1: This is action scene number two. The gameplay returned to a first-person perspective and combined fun shooting with new gadgets, including grappling hook and hacking devices. Driving missions added some variety and were a huge leap up from the terrible mechanics of 007 Racing. Overall, Agent Under Fire marked the beginning of a new stream of good Bond games for EA. Definitely got the Bond players in this song. Right, yeah.
0: scene looks pretty cool. I feel like this is the one where that music was originally. <laughs> I like these graphics and the, this music sounds really good.
1: This is action scene number four. This is my last track for this game, but just want to give a variety of music because it's pretty solid and this game was actually really fun. I think they did a great job of developing original storylines for the games in um I was playing Everything or Nothing earlier, and I'll talk about that in a second once we get to that game, but, like, they just pulled it off quite nicely. Let's go on to the sequel to this game, which is Nightfire. This is the theme song, which is, like, they gave these games even, like, their own. Bond theme we ranked yeah. the Bond themes earlier and like we didn't include the video game themes but there are actually they have their yeah, own themes as well pretty good. this was composed by Steve
0: Duckworth uh, looks like they have the uh, the rights to Pierce in this one yep The... So the theme kind of reminds me A lot of the movies But it's not quite the same Yeah
1: it... I should trying to figure also... out the artist But it doesn't say on here
0: Yeah so It's it also like
1: Nelly Furtado or
0: something Yeah
1: Googling to see if I can figure
0: it out. The graphics are just as good, if not better, than the previous game. Same generation, so yeah, it's probably going to be the same. A couple years later. Yeah, but the the animated like people seems a little like more fluid as they do their thing.
1: Um, it's a person called Esterio. I don't know who that is. <sighs> this is called infiltration so this is the sequel to the agent under fire as we said improved upon its predecessors predecessor in almost every way it managed to capture an authentic feeling of a bond film opening with a gun barrel sequence a playable action-packed pre-title sequence and a girl-filled title sequence complete with an original song The develop uh the level design was excellent with many missions following for allowing for several unique approaches giving the game a more open world feeling topped that with a stellar driving mission and you're left with a classic bond game and some pretty solid music yeah Uh, this is another song called alpine escape sounds like it'd be like a skiing level just alpine escape, right yeah
0: maybe. so what my thoughts were yeah
1: it might be a driving level but you got your classic blonde bond flares in there and lastly because I'm not sure how long we've been talking but I still got several games to go we got Drake's castle and Drake is the bad guy in the game
0: hmm very Bowser-esque.
1: <laughs> yeah. It's like a Bowsery bond.
0: Yeah, it definitely is a castle theme. I'll give you that. <laughs> very ominous, very like what are we getting ourselves into here? You pretty much can tell he's the bad guy when this music yeah. is playing and you see him. You're like, yep, that that's that's him. I like that little transition there. Yeah, very that is very Bondesque, yeah. Like a, a Bassett theme. <laughs> like get ready for her, like, oh. Yeah, yeah,
1: yeah. So, uh, I'll, I'll recommend listeners to go follow up on that game and listen to more music if you're interested but we're going to move on to everything or nothing and this is just the main bond theme we're still on the ele- uh with our compo- developer Electronic arts and the composer is ian stalker kind of a metal version like with those guitars
0: mm-hmm
1: this is the highest rated of all the VA James Bond games and arguably one of the most enjoyable, which I can attest to. I was playing it yesterday and having a grand old time. It reverted to a third-person perspective and introduced a tight cover and shooting mechanics, wall-repel action, and extreme fun gadget-filled driving missions uh, with cars, motorbikes, and helicopters.
0: Yeah, it looks really good.
1: Yeah, and I think... It kind of... I don't know if it's the first game, but the third-person shooting mechanics remind me of, like, Gears of War and stuff like that that were developed on the next generation after this, I think.
0: Yeah, um, I was i was thinking that, or... Um, what game's Snake in? Uh, Metal Gear. Metal Gear Solid, yeah. That definitely looks yeah. very Snake-like. Um. But the problem is... Not to you know, not to drown this out, but that theme sounds like every other yeah. theme. Yeah,
1: uh, I'll get to here's the next track. It's the Bond, the the theme that was developed for this game, the original theme, the, with lyrics. Yeah, yeah. Uh, the game placed a greater emphasis on driving missions than any game before. It used a Need for Speed engine, ensured tight controls and mechanics. Everything or nothing. Was also the first game to include a non-archived voice acting from the cast of the films, including Richard Keel as Jaws. And the song is by Maya. If you remember her from, uh, she's she's one of the people in the, oh God, what's Lady Marmalade song, uh,
0: like Chris oh
1: that one yeah yeah with Christina Aguilera and Missy Elliott she was really famous back in the early 2000s but I don't know where she went Uh, but it's got like M and John Cleese back from the movie or uh, uh, Q uh, John Cleese and M uh, Judy Dench back from the movies it's got Pierce the Bond girl is Shannon Elizabeth because I guess it's around the American Pie time period (laughs) And Heidi Klum is the Bond girl villain. Oh. I mean, and the graphics aren't perfect, but they're pretty good for a GameCube yeah, game.
0: Yeah, for a game that came out in 2004, yeah. I think that's, they're pretty good. Better than any of the GameCube Zelda games, I'll take that much. Right.
1: Those are super blocky where this looks more smooth. Um, mm-hmm. This is the last game I played in the James Bond series. So, uh, This next game is called From Rush With Love, and I can't really ha- input anything besides the music. Again, here's yeah. the Bond thing. The composer Almost is Christopher Lennertz.
0: Ooh, the the game cover is supposed to look like Connery. Yeah, I
1: think they got Sean Connery licensed for this one.
0: they are like, yeah, we're running out of original. Can we go back in time? Yeah,
1: that, I mean, that's smart.
0: Yeah. Now that looks like an Aston Martin.
1: All I have is the cover from the game to look at. Yeah. Then let me move on, because, I mean, we've heard this ten times already. This is called Kidnap.
0: Definitely uh, a 60s or 70s sound yeah. music.
1: It kind of reminds me of Jaws in a way, like the, the movie
0: Jaws, like that yeah. orchestral sound. I was thinking like indie, uh, Indiana Jones. Yeah, films, that too. Maybe a little bit. Yeah.
1: Double um, or from Russia with love, was the last Bond game published by EA. And although not as good as everything or nothing, it was a high note tamed on. From Russia with love featured the likeness and voice acting of Sean Connery. That's pretty cool. Recre- recreated many sets and locations used in the film. The most interesting aspect of the game is seeing those familiar sets and exploring the off-camera areas where you were never shown
0: in the film. Yeah, I think the graphics might be a little bit better in this game than in the previous game to just look yeah, at, but they don't sense. use as they just don't use as many like assets or whatever that the other game looked. So this is kind of boring.
1: Yeah, it's kind of toned down, but you yeah. it, like the characters look better, but the, like, there's not much going on.
0: Yeah, there's mountains, water, you're in a boat, I mean, at least this scene is when I'm, you know.
1: Hey, this song is called "Docks," so maybe we're listening to the same thing. Oh, yeah. Maybe. It kind of sounds like Bond is sneaking around. It's one of yeah. those sneaky songs. <laughs> Oop Action. More on the composer, Christopher Leonard. Uh His big break came with the musical scores for the 2007 film Alvin and the Chipmunks, Hop, Think Like a Man, and Warner Brothers' comedy Horrible Bosses, as well as the video game series Medal of Honor, created by Steven Spielberg. Hmm. A last song for this game is called in Istanbul Definitely has that kind of vibe to it. With like yeah, it almost sounded sure. like a belly dancer song at first.
0: Mm-hmm. That's for sure.
1: Not too bad Let's move on to the next game Which is Quantum of Solace And we're starting with the main theme again This one we kind of moving on to the next generation So it's on PS3, Wii, 360, DS, and Windows mm-hmm. And we're away from EA And now Activision is uh, the developer
0: Oh, Activision Gameplay reminds me of uh, Splinter Cell.
1: Okay. Yeah, I haven't not played this one, so
0: I'm not there's sure. a lot of sneakiness to it. There's uh, you're actually doing spy shit. That makes sense. Uh, that's kind of cool. <laughs> and instead of just running around shooting everybody, you have a listening device. So you have to like kind of find somebody, and then when it's time to execute them, you go ahead and shoot them. And and Daniel Craig's on the box
1: art, so I'm assuming mm-hmm. they got his likeness for the game. Yep. Uh, and the composer is still Christopher Leonard's.
0: Yeah. I can definitely tell this is on the next gen.
1: Oh yeah. It sounds sounds very good. Alright, let's go to the next song before I start reading some more. Unless you want to read this one.
0: Yeah, I can do that, that's fine with me. This the same old, same old. Quantum was the first James Bond game from Activision. Piece of shit company. Fuck you.
1: <laughs> do they still exist?
0: Yeah. They do, and they're in the midst of a uh, controversy with uh, Activision Blizzard thing. Oh, God. Yep. Ending EA's eight-game run, it was powered by the Call of Duty 4 engine. That's what it is. Yeah, yep. Call of Duty and not uh, Splinter Cell. Splinter Cell kind of reminds me of it, too.
1: They're, I think they're all the same engine. I I'm guess I'm just guessing.
0: Yeah, probably. And was the first Bond game of the generation the 360 Wii, PlayStation 3, as you mentioned. The story is based on the films Casino Royale and Quantum of Solace, and follows their plot quite closely with some additions. While the shooting is first class, the first Bond games in years to have no driving levels, which really hurt the variety of gameplay. The music and voice acting are excellent, including Daniel Craig and Judy Dench. I don't know if that really hurts the gameplay per se, but I guess the variety. Yeah, you know, right. it kind of gets stale. You're doing
1: the same things over and over where driving mm-hmm. gave you just like a little break in the action. but And it's surprising because Quantum of Solace starts with a really cool uh, driving sequence where he's got... I think Mr. White's in his trunk and he's trying to deliver him to M. Yeah. Oh, this is called Construction A. This is the last song I had for this game. This is nice, though. Yeah. Definitely. uh, I like Christopher Leonard's work on these games. Got a couple more games left, so let's move on. Here we go. This is from Bloodstone, the 2010 game. Again, developed by Activision. It's the opening credit sequence. Not bad. I like it. the singer is Joss Stone
0: it's much better than having that same old James Bond theme play yeah. over and over and over
1: oh we have that too nice. I'll get that yeah. that right. <laughs> the gun barrel theme basically uh, Bloodstone is the second Bond game from Activision it greatly expands upon the gameplay variety of their previous effort yeah it's melee attacks allowing for more stealthy gameplay, as well as excellent car and boat driving missions uh, that become a highlight of the game. The downfall is that after an intense pre title sequence in the first half of the game, it gets off to a slow start with too many empty hallways and general lack of fast-paced action. The second half improves on this greatly, but since the story mode is only 5-6 hours, the game feels lacking overall. The studio behind Bloodstone Bizarre Creations was shut down following its release. That's unfortunate. Oh no! But it was uh, that visually that was a cool title sequence as well. It just looked like a movie with like silhouettes of women and stuff. And this is just the bomb thing from the game. So
0: yeah, just looking at gameplay, it is very spy-like.
1: Yeah, I'm assuming it's a lot like Quantum of Solace, but with the addition of, like, driving levels.
0: But there's nothing really about this game that I kind of feel like, yeah, this is a, you know, must play. Pretty good graphics, pretty good, like, representation of Daniel Craig, but it's just, it's basic, kind of. A lot of sneaking around, a lot of Splinter Cell so
1: we're on to Goldeneye 007 for the Wii (laughs) the game that Dustin plays
0: yeah I like the song it's like the original yeah it's from the movie yeah the composer is Kevin Kinner they really need a composer they have the original guy from here (laughs) Uh, but GoldenEye, that you hear from the singer, uh, GoldenEye 007 was a remake of the N64 title. It was released on the Wii on the same day as Bloodstone. So I wonder why people didn't play that game, am I right? Right. Yeah. It featured motion control shooting with the Wii Wiimote, or the zapper, if you had it, with the movement from the nunchuck. Don't let the term remake confuse you. This game is a new game from the ground up that is heavily based on the original. Uh, like the original single-player experience is excellent, but multiplayer deathmatch are where the lasting value comes from.
1: is interesting because it's got Daniel Craig's face in this one, so it's like this is what it would have been like if he was in the movie. <laughs> right? Yeah,
0: that's basically him. So it kind of like pulls onto the the aspect of. They're different 007s, and so, um, I don't know. The graphics look pretty good, based on yeah. this title sequence, anyway. It was the hardest one to play. I don't like which
1: like controls.
0: <laughs> yeah, playing the Wii was really tough. It, I just I couldn't, I couldn't handle it.
1: All right, on to our last game from 2012. So it's been a while, at least since we've had a good Bond game, it seems like. Right. It's called 007 Legends.
0: Oh, I like the sound. This is the opening credits scene. Yeah, it's a uh, gold finger <laughs> Yeah.
1: Activision again, Kevin Kenner again.
0: Yeah, it's kind of a mashup
1: are... of different Bond things yeah.
0: I like that it's fantastic uh, 007 Legends is the lowest rated James Bond game of all time with aggregated rating, range, ratings ranging from 16 to 45% depending on the platform Eurocom the studio behind 007 Legends went bankrupt following the release so making it a wow. Bond game is like a kiss of death for you yeah and unless you're rare right the poor reception and sales also lost Activision, the Bond's license. The premise is that Jan- Daniel Craig's Bond has flashbacks to missions within five Bond films, uh, including Goldfinger and On Her Majesty's Secret Service, that are retold in a modern-day setting. That's dope. I like that idea. It's, it's fortunate that...
1: I, I don't know if the game's horrible or it just didn't
0: sell well. Yeah, the, the graphics are smooth, but... You don't, I don't know, it's back to a first-person shooter. And so you're doing a lot of spy stuff and, you know, I mean, the game looks cool as shit. I don't know. Yeah,
1: I thought it looked good from the videos I watched. And that's probably why we haven't had a James Bond game for a while. Because this one didn't sell well and it caused a company to go out of business. And, like, the last two companies went out of business, I think they said.
0: (laughs) Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then Activision basically lost the rights to Bond. So who owns Bond video games right now and who's... Trying to build a game from the you know the ground up. It's unfortunate. These games are pretty fun
1: for the most part. I don't know about these early games, but from the '64 era on, they are all pretty, yeah. pretty cool.
0: This was released for the PlayStation Three, the Xbox 360, and the Wii U. I wonder if, uh, like the Xbox Game Pass, will ever come out with like these remakes yeah. of these games or like the Switch Store. I would probably, I would check them out mm-hmm. if they're on the new consoles. Um, but yeah, the the flash, the idea, the premise of the the mashup with the music was just awesome. Like you had all of those themes all together flowing through, and we could pick them out. We knew yeah. which ones they were based on like audio cues that we remember. It was awesome. It would be cool if. Like when you're playing the
1: Honor, Majesty's Secret Service, your face changes into George Lazenby, and then like oh, yeah. the Goldfinger, you are Sean Connery. If they had all of those characters, but it's like Daniel Craig remembering those as if he did it.
0: Yeah. So basically, you you get there and you're like, what is going on? You look at a mirror and you're like, whoa, hey, <laughs> that's neat. I like that. It kind of gives me like a um, uh, an Animus vibe from like Assassin's Creed, where right, yeah. You are reliving the memory of the whatever historical mm-hmm. thing that you're doing at that time. Like very same vibes, I think is, I think that's cool. Damn, I hate that that did so poorly because that sounds really yeah, cool. Yeah, unfortunate.
1: <laughs> and then like this current generation does not have a Bond game on it, it seems like, that, which is crazy. Mm-hmm. Based on like having four on GameCube and three on Wii or something like that.
0: Right, yeah. I don't know.
1: But that's all I got for this episode. Next week, we will be talking, well, two weeks from now, we will be talking about the rejected Bond themes from the movies.
0: So we're pretty excited about that one.
1: Um, If you go back to Drink and Geek Out, our other podcast, we ranked the movies over there. I think that comes out next week. And then the following week, at the end of September, we will be doing the Golden Gun Awards, awarding all things Bond. So please check that out on Drink and Geek Out. If you're not subscribed to that.
0: Right. Uh, speaking of which, we are on all the social media platforms, uh, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, uh, at Drink and Geek Out. We don't have one specific to Geek OST because, you know what, we're all the same people. so Yeah. It'd be just the same go. content. Yeah, right. Uh, just a, a branch. We have a website, DrinkinGeekOut.com. Uh, we have all of our things on there, links to the blog, links to the Geek SRMs, IBUs, and all of our... Uh, podcast links you can get to. You can find us pretty much on any type of podcast platform. If you're looking for a new one, let's say you're listening to us on Google uh, Podcast, and you're like, you know what? Google Podcast just has too much crap on it. And you're like, oh, they're on Stitcher. Oh, they're on Spotify. Cool, neat. I didn't realize that. Apple Podcasts, whatever. Mm -hmm. You're listening now. So pretty sure you know where to find podcasts. But we're on all of them. Just saying. If you found us on the website
1: and you want to... Uh, us on your podcast app and we're not, reach out and we'll make sure we
0: get on there. Yes. Uh, we have t-shirts, uh, Threadless.com and then public as well. So the uh, Threadless one is DrinkInGeekOut.Threadless.com which is more of our risque <laughs> shirts because they haven't taken any of our uh, shirts down. And then we have our Tee Public store, which is the more tame one, which is tpubliccom slash stores slash drink in hyphen geek out. We're also on Patreon. Uh, if you want to subscribe to the show and help us uh, tremendously with purchasing a beer uh, and all those different things to keep the show going, uh, you can pick an episode topic, just not September. We're pretty booked. <laughs> um, <laughs> but there are some things on there to do. Uh, so yeah, just just come find us. Send us an email. Who know? Whatever, just ping us something. Give us money. Yeah, Give us money, <laughs> idiots. Support
1: us any way you can because we love doing this and we want to keep doing it.
0: Yeah, and we just renewed our website, so we need all the money we can get. Not really. We're like NPR right now. We're like, <laughs> uh, we are. We need a, a telefund because we're, yes. we're publicly funded and Public, we're running low on yeah. money. So. <laughs> We're going to start putting the Wikipedia link on there. Hey, give us money. Give us $3 if you've
1: ever used this. Okay. So uh, that'll do it for this week. Until next time, Dig OST will return. (laughs) Do-do-do, do-do-do, do-do-do-do.